It's Thursday, June the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, court orders dismissal of Flynn case and IMF downgrades global growth. First, the world in brief. An American appeals court ordered a judge to ditch the criminal case against Michael Flynn, Donald Trump's first national security adviser, as the Department of Justice had requested. The court said the judge had overstepped his authority by commissioning an independent brief which alleged gross abuse of prosecutorial power. Mr. Flynn twice pleaded guilty to lying to FBI agents about conversations with the Russian ambassador. Meanwhile, a prosecutor who withdrew from the Roger Stone case told the House Judiciary Committee that there had been pressure from the DOJ to go easy on the president's former consultant. America recorded 38,115 new cases of COVID-19, a daily record. Several southern states that left lockdown early, including Florida and Texas, reported new 24-hour highs. Governors of the New York, New Jersey and Connecticut tri-state area, earlier a centre of infection but now relatively stable, imposed quarantine restrictions on travellers from nine other states. Stock markets took fright once again. The number of deaths in Latin America attributed to the coronavirus passed 100,000. Infection rates in the region have risen sharply since mid-May. Brazil has suffered most. More than 50,000 have died there. Its president, Jair Bolsonaro, has been criticised for failing to take the virus seriously. On Tuesday, a judge ordered him to wear a mask in public. The International Monetary Fund said the decline in global growth due to the pandemic would be worse than it first reckoned. It now expects the world's GDP to shrink by 4.9% this year. In April, it had forecast a contraction of 3%. The fund also expects a much deeper drop in consumer spending than it had previously estimated. The Office of the United States Trade Representative issued a draft list of 30 types of European goods that could be hit with additional tariffs. The duties, a response to subsidies the European Union gave to Airbus, an aerospace giant, raise fears that global economic growth could be dampened by an American-EU trade war. Authorities in the Philippines began an investigation into Jan Marsalek, the former chief operating officer of Wirecard, a German fintech firm mired in scandal. Some 1.9 billion euros, 2.1 billion dollars that went missing from its balance sheet, was purportedly held in two Philippine banks, both denied ever having it. The Philippines Justice Secretary said Mr. Marsalek may be in the country. And Olympus, one of the most famous brands in photography, is to sell its camera business. The Japanese firm has been making cameras for 84 years. They have turned unprofitable in recent years as smartphones have improved remorselessly. That left Olympus with only dedicated snappers as customers. And now, here's today's agenda. Worse than it looks, America's GDP. In the first three months of 2020, America's economy shrank by 5% at an annual rate, according to the second official estimate of GDP, which was published in May. The third, due today, could be worse. 
Later estimates are based on a wider range of source data, since many parts of the economy report output figures with long lags. The bits with the longest lags, in particular the services sector, have been most affected by lockdowns. These problems will worsen when America's statisticians make their first report on second quarter GDP in a month's time, taking into account even more of the country's lockdowns. Some economists think that early estimates might capture only around 60% of the economic drag from the coronavirus, so a quarter-on-quarter GDP decline of 30% in the second quarter, as many economists expect, might at first appear as a 20% fall. It is a difficult time to be a statistician. Moment of truth, bank stress test results. Today, the Federal Reserve announces the results of its annual stress tests for America's largest banks. This year, the tests will be more fraught than usual. Typically, the Fed tests a snapshot of a bank's balance sheet collected in April against an extreme hypothetical shock. If banks have a lot more capital than they would need to survive this shock, the surplus can be paid to shareholders via dividends or buybacks. The pandemic complicates this. Several indicators, such as unemployment, are already worse than in the Fed's nastiest scenarios. Thanks to the meaty economic stimulus and the suspension of many debt payments, the historical relationship between unemployment and defaults may not hold. The stakes are high. In April, some participants in the Fed's monetary policy meeting suggested banks should cut their dividends to preserve capital for losses. Those with too little could be asked to raise more. That could chill their activities, hurting the economic recovery. Running fast, Nike's earnings. Today, the sports clothing giant releases its results for the three months to the end of May. Analysts are bullish. Nike has managed to stay afloat throughout the pandemic, even as shops have been closed and sports fixtures cancelled. Workers stuck at home are ditching office wear for the more comfortable athleisure clothing that Nike sells. The firm is well-placed to reach them, having invested heavily in its e-commerce operations in recent years. This has sent investors piling into the stock. Its share price slumped in March but has returned to pre-pandemic highs. Stores are reopening across America and Europe, which could provide a further boost. But if China, which has been out of a general lockdown for months, and South Korea, which mostly avoided one, are any indication, many shoppers will continue to stay away from physical outlets. Even though Nike's stores in those countries stayed open, footfall has remained low. Back to the scene of the crime, Lebanon. The men who wrecked Lebanon's economy cannot agree to talk about it, let alone fix it. Today, the country's leading politicians gather at the presidential palace to discuss the crisis. The conclave will be smaller than hoped. The last four prime ministers, among others, plan to boycott it. Few think they would have achieved much anyway. The Lebanese pound, still nominally pegged at 1,500 to the dollar, now trades at close to 6,000. A quarter of businesses in Beirut have closed this year. Desperate people beg for change and rummage through skips for scraps. Lebanon wants help from the IMF, but talks with the fund have made little progress. While lawmakers bicker, banks are furious about a rescue plan that would wipe out shareholders. A government adviser resigned in despair last week, saying there was no genuine will to reform. Lebanon's entrenched political class seems intent on proving him right. The end of an outbreak? 
Ebola in eastern Congo. Today, the World Health Organization will announce the end of the world's second largest Ebola outbreak ever. The disease raged through the eastern provinces of the Democratic Republic of Congo for almost two years, killing 2,280 people. The response, led by the Health Ministry and the WHO, was criticized for bad management and wasted money, and rebel groups in the region hampered it by setting clinics on fire and attacking health workers, of whom 11 were killed. Still, health workers did manage to trace many contacts of Ebola victims and hastily vaccinate them. This helped bring an end to the outbreak. But as one outbreak ends, another begins. Earlier this month, a handful of Ebola cases cropped up in western Congo. Cases of bubonic plague have also been reported in the war-torn Ituri province, and the country, like the rest of the world, is grappling with the COVID-19 pandemic. Sadly, there is not much to celebrate. Finally, here's the quote of the day from George Orwell, who was born on this day in 1903. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.